How you doing, church? You doing okay? Doing well? Okay. I want to I welcome the fellows at, at RCMU. Guys, we're so glad you're in on this. I've been told that, that uh, when we get to talk to you, you, you go into an uproar, so feel free, go into an uproar. Uh, we're glad you're in on this. Uh, we're finishing up a series on prayer. Now, now many of us feel awkward and, and weird when it comes to prayer, especially if you go out loud with a prayer. And what we've done is if you've missed this series, we talked about uh, why we don't pray. We've talked about the Lord's Prayer, and we kind of broke it up into two pieces. And in essence, we're done talking about prayer as in what to do and how to do it. So why do we have another week, you ask? Good question. Uh, because one of the top questions, if not the top question, that I get asked about prayer is what do you do when God says no? Or maybe even deeper, why does God say no? So you and I are here, and we're gonna walk through, trudge through, and figure out how to enjoy a conversation on what to do when God says no. So if God's ever said no to you, which he has, I just know that's life, uh, we're gonna learn what to do with that. So, so I hope that you have access to the Bible. If you do, go to Matthew chapter six, and I'll get there eventually. But I wanna read something to you. This was a quote that I really enjoyed, helped kind of start off where we're going. Most, this is by Philip Yancey. Most of my struggles in the Christian life circle around two themes. Why God doesn't act the way we want God to and why I don't act the way God wants me to. Prayer is the precise point where those two things converge. So what I wanna talk literally exclusively about, what do you do when God doesn't do what you wanted him to do? in the context of prayer. In essence, what do you do when God doesn't meet your expectations? Because that's the open question. <clears throat> that's where you and I say, okay, I pray, I talk to God, I ask him to do some things, heal, provide this, and oftentimes there's these moments where, <clears throat> frankly, it feels like he said no, or he hasn't said anything, and, and your expectations aren't met. And in any relationship, if your expectations aren't met, if something goes awry and what you wanted to happen, what you expected to happen doesn't happen, well, then you get upset about it. That's just how life works. That's why some of you right now are fighting with your spouse and not talking to them. Or you're mad at your kids because they didn't meet some expectation. Let me give you an example. In, in January, uh, Katie and I went to a conference in Orlando. The conference itself was not the most exciting conference, but we had to go. Uh, and so we thought, let's do something fun. So some other folks were with us, and we, we said, let's go to Universal Studios. Let's go be entertained at, like, Epic. This is awesome. So I had always wanted to go to Universal Studios. Some others were with us did because, well, let me just tell you, really. Uh, there's a new Harry Potter exhibit there. <clears throat> and by the way, if, 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 if that offends you, just deal with it. Harry Potter <clears throat> has this incredible Absolutely incredible setup there where you can go into the school and, and ride the rides. So I was like, this is going to be awesome because, because I hadn't been to a theme park in a long time. Uh, you know, like when you grow up, you, you feel like, oh, I got to stop having fun. So, so you grow up and, <clears throat> and I hadn't been there for a while. So I was like, this is going to be awesome. We went to Universal Studios. There, there's roller coasters and all these rides. And, and then we're going to go to the Harry Potter place and be amazing. So we went and, and the Harry Potter place was, was pretty packed. So we didn't go there initially. And we started riding some roller coasters at the beginning. I got on a roller coaster. Like, this would be awesome. It was horrible. <clears throat> I got off of the roller coaster. Now, I did not tell you that I think 30 minutes prior, I had snarfed down a breakfast burrito. <clears throat> Combine the two, and things don't go well. 
So I got done with the roller coaster, and my expectations for the whole day to ride roller coasters went out the window. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to cheer you guys on as you guys loop-de-loop, and I'll just be here waiting for you. I'm going to sit down and do what my grandparents always did when we went to Universal Studios. So I sat down, and I was like, it's okay. So you're at a theme park, and now you're not going to ride rides. Don't worry, Harry Potter World. So I went to Harry Potter World. It was epic and awesome and amazing. There were some crazy people there who I think think Harry Potter World is real. But <clears throat> so we're there. We enjoyed it. It was amazing and all that was. And then it was like, let's go through the rest of the park. And, and we did. And what we learned it was it was kind of old and and wasn't a blast. And if you're if you're an adult like myself, you begin to evaluate theme parks differently. By the end of the day, you wonder if you got your money's worth. <laughs> It used to be if you wondered if, if mom and dad gave you enough money. And so when you go through a theme park, you're like, well, this was kind of expensive and <clears throat> didn't meet my expectations. You, you've had experiences like that. Maybe you've been to a movie, a movie that you maybe been excited about. The trailer was great. And you show up, you pay more money than you ever should to watch a movie. <clears throat> you get done and you go, well, I think they robbed us. I totally think that was a horrible movie. And you get done, the, the trailer had already told you everything that was good in the movie. And you have your expectations unmet. Okay, this isn't resonating. How about this? If you're a Packers fan, (laughs) you live in a world of unmet expectations. (laughs) Packers fans are going to be leaving the church in droves. They preach heresy there. Now, if you're a Vikings fan, you don't even have expectations. (laughs) You you guard yourself against having expectations. You go like, no, I'm not going to hope that we're going to win a game. No, no, it's going to be. And so, so some of you, your hearts are so broken. You're like, I have no more expectations. You don't watch football anymore. Uh, Nowadays. When you fly or you take a trip, typically you have a tendency to think that your expectation is to get from where you're leaving to where you want to go. However, if you were to fly, you know, U.S. Airways, uh, one flight in particular decided to land in, in the Hudson River. Uh, you have to expect those folks were going, that's not what we expected. That's not what was on the ticket information, right? I mean, when you do certain things, you expect certain things. You expect your kids to get educated in school. You expect certain things. And, and, and when your expectations go unmet, there's this tension and this awkwardness and sometimes this, this hurt when you get into serious things. I mean, when you took your, your job that you might be at now, at, at now you, you had expectations. You went there and expected certain things to play out. When you went to school, you expected certain things at the beginning of the new school year. When you got married, you had certain expectations. When you started parenting, you had certain expectations and they get a bit more serious. Well, how about prayer? I mean, the, the honest Conversation about prayer is you and I pray and talk to God, and we have expectations. And I'm not saying that's bad, but in fact, I'm going to teach you a few expectations you ought to have when you pray. But every one of us go to God and have conversations, and at first it's like, I'm just going to go to him, and, and, and whatever you want God to do is fine with me. But no, 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 you, you bring in some expectations, and when they don't get met, when there's a no or a delay, that affects things. And in fact, I would tell you that your endurance your endurance of praying is directly impacted by your expectations that you brought to that prayer. How long you're gonna pray about something based on how it's playing out, you begin to, some of you have given up praying 
Literally, some of you start off praying for something, someone, and, and, and you really feel like you've received no answer or God said no, and so you flat out have given up. And I'm gonna tell you, that's not what God intends. If you're praying for something and you have yet to receive, call it an answer, keep praying. Don't let your endurance lose out. And so I wanna unfold a few, just a few expectations regarding no's or delays. I, there's a lot more expectations about prayer, but specifically we're gonna go at when God doesn't do what you want him to do, what are healthy expectations in the midst of that? Because I'm not gonna make you raise your hand, but I know that every one of us has had a no before, where God flat out heard what you said and didn't do what you said. So let's start off with one expectation. Here's the first one. <clears throat> God isn't just like me. Do not go into prayer and in a conversation with God and expect him, anticipate him to be just like you. See, see, I know you're like, well, okay, David, I get that, but sometimes we, we make him seem like a superhero and not God, where he has strengths, but he also has some weaknesses, or he's just a human, and you begin to engage him like he's a human, like he's gonna react the way that you do, or that he knows what you know, or, or frankly, sometimes we think we know more than he does. One of the greatest things to understand when you get a no, know that he's not like you. I mean, we're made in the image of God, but we are not God, he is different than us. So. Listen to this, Isaiah 55, it explains this. Verse eight, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. <clears throat> As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower, bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose which I sent it. You need to know that when you talk to God, he doesn't think like you. Some of us just need that reminder. He doesn't think like you. His ways are not your ways. They're not my ways. In fact, I want to teach you a few words, big words. You may want to write them down or just disregard them and say that's too many syllables. But I'm going to teach you three words that will help you and I. So, by the way, the words I'm going to teach you, if you don't already know these, the intent is not for you just to own the word and know the word, but I want you to know the meaning behind it, so I'll explain this. But there are three things about God that are critical that when you know you pray to God, who you are praying to. First one, God is omnipotent. Like I said, big words, I'll explain this. He has the ability and power to do anything. Listen to this, Matthew 19, 26. With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. You need to know that when you pray to God and you might get a no, it's not coming back no or delayed because he couldn't do it. It wasn't like, oh, I'm, that's just too big of a request. Or, oh, no, 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 no. The, the Bible is clear on this. God has proven this. He can do anything. He is all-powerful. He's the strongest of the strong. You and I cannot even imagine his strength. God is omnipotent, the ability to do anything. Don't forget that when you get a no. Another one, God is omnipresent. He has the ability to be everywhere. That weirds you and I out. You're like, how do you do it? He's God. Listen, uh, David said this, Psalm 139, 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. 
if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, and he just keeps going on, just talking about all these different areas here. Everywhere I go, everywhere I don't go, you're there. You're everywhere. Listen, if you think that God is only in the United States of America, you're wrong. God is not limited and confined to vehicles of travel, to nations and lines and borders. God is everywhere. Do not pray as though you have to wait for God. If you get a no and go, oh, he must be somewhere else doing something else, paying attention to someone. No, 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 no. The Bible is clear. God is all powerful and he's everywhere. There's one more. God is omniscient. He has the ability to know everything. Now, I know some of you think you're omniscient. You're not. Uh, so I'm wondering I'm further on. Even the darkness will, be, will not be dark to you. What he was alluding to, what, what's, what we're not in the know of, what we don't know and where we don't have wisdom, you, you've got it. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. God is all-powerful. God is everywhere, and he knows everything. When you pray to him, do not treat him and engage him as though he's limited to what you know, that his strength is limited to what you know is strong, and that his capacity or his whereabouts is limited to a specific place. When you pray to God, do not pray to him like he is just like you. And when you get a no, do not think that the no was because he was restricted in some way. God is awesome. And a lot of times when we get a no or delay, that awesomeness is challenged a bit. He's not exactly like us. He doesn't think like we do. However, a lot of us already know this. Like, David, I get this, I know this. I'm not God, he's God, he's the ultimate. I get that, let's move on, let's go to the second expectation. Here it is. God's no doesn't change God's goodness. Hmm. I think this is the biggest one we contend with. God's no does not change, manipulate, twist, shrink, his goodness. His goodness is always good, however you and I wrestle with, but you didn't do what I thought was good, so maybe God isn't good. In fact, some of us have friends who think because there's bad in this world, God is not good. So that means there's either not a God, and they get this messed up view of God. God's no does not change God's goodness. It's why, uh, just a question, who, who in here loves country music? Any, anyone, a few people? Who in here hates country music? Some of you are liars. You're like, come on, you either love it or hate it because there is no middle, like, you know what, country's so-so. No, it's either like screeching to your ears or it's like a sweet melody. And if you are familiar with a man by the name of Garth Brooks, see, now you guys are like, oh, okay. We're talking about that kind of country. Listen, listen. He, he, he wrote a song that somehow got popular and and somehow people listen to it, called Unanswered Prayers. And so I can't move on, or, or some of you who are country music listeners, you're like, oh, something about that, unanswered prayers. Oh, that's some of God's greatest things he does is don't answer prayers. So for your viewing pleasure, and also to stop your mind from getting distracted from the rest of the sermon, take a look. You gotta get over this. Some of you are like, please stop it. <laughs> some of you are like, please keep going. Uh, it's funny how you and I think about unanswered prayer. I have a tendency to hear, and I think too, 
that a no is an unanswered prayer. You're like, oh, obviously he wants me to wait on that. Uh, And there's a lot of us who think that God doesn't answer prayers. Reality is, is he does. God hears prayers, but sometimes, oftentimes, we don't get the answer we want. Now, now the Bible is not totally clear on, on why a no or a delay happens all the time. There's not, I, can't, I can't sit here and solve that for you and say, okay, God said no, and, and here's exactly why this, didn't, why this didn't happen in your life. Here's exactly what happened. I can't answer that, but there are some reasons, there are some in the Bible that give us clarity that perhaps God listens in different ways so, so I'm gonna give you some of these. And by the way, a lot of times we don't talk about this because this gets intense. But some of you are experiencing no's or delays or you feel like God's not hearing and sometimes there might be something going on in your life that shouldn't be. I'll explain this. Sometimes it's doubt. Sometimes we pray to God and we have no belief whatsoever that he's even gonna interact in this. Uh, James 1, 5 through 7, if anyone lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. It will be given to you, but but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Now, if you're thinking, oh, do I blanket this across the whole thing and say, I can't have an ounce of doubt ever, ever. No, 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 no. But you need to understand that your doubt affects things. There's others. Impure motives. Sometimes we pray for the most impure motive. James 4, 3, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Some of you are saying, God, I need a raise because I need this boat. And somehow we'll use the boat for you, God, but we really need the boat. (laughs) I'm not saying boats are bad, but sometimes when we pray, that's not a pure motive. You might guess it. No, a lot of times our prayers do not have pure motives. We want to get something out of God. We just want something out of him. We treat him like a genie. Now, watch your motives when you pray. There's another one. You won't, well, I'll read this to you. Bad relationship with your wife. You're like, what? Does that have to do with prayer? Well, I'm glad you asked. First Peter 3, 7. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives. Treat your wife with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. She is your equal partner. She is your equal partner. Some fellows get hung up on her being weaker. You need to keep reading. Equal, equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. This is a gut check for us. Your relationship with your wife, fellas, can affect your prayers. Now, that doesn't mean that you start being nice to her so that God will like you. (laughs) That's not what this is saying. But listen very closely. Some of you are not treating your bride the way you're supposed to treat your bride. Meanwhile, you want God to treat you the way you want to be treated. See, sometimes our conversations with God are not going the way that we want to because we're mistreating so many people around us, yet we want God to treat us like we've been perfect. By the way, ladies, you're not off the hook. (laughs) The context of this verse There's more to it before and after. If you don't respect your husbands, that will affect your conversations with God. 
We'll move on. Not, don't be elbowing, by the way. No, no elbows. That's okay. Uh, not caring for the poor and oppressed. It's something that God does not like and affects conversations. Listen to Isaiah 58. You, you humble yourselves by going through the motions of penance, being sorrowful and praying, you, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourselves <clears throat> with ashes. <clears throat> Is this what you call fasting? I'm talking about prayer and fasting. Do you really think this will please the Lord? Watch this. No, this is not the kind of fasting, or no, this is the kind of fasting I want for those of you who are wrongly imprisoned. Free those who are wrongly imprisoned. Lighten the burden of those who work for you. Let the oppressed go free and remove the chains that bind people. Share your food with the hungry. Give shelter to the homeless. Give clothes to those who need them. And do not hide from relatives who need your help. That last part, do not forget. Some of you are hiding from your relatives. And you never thought the Bible was funny. I think it is. <laughs> if you're not taking care of the poor and the oppressed, but you want God to take care of you, do you see how hypocritical that is? But there is not an answer. There is not a reason for every no that you get. I'm sorry I have to tell you that. I'm sorry that I have to put in front of you and say, you know what, you're gonna get no's from God and, or delays, and, and there's no good reason. You see no good reason. There's nothing that you can drum up and, and think through and say, okay, this must be what God's doing. And, and a lot of times, you have no answer. You literally end to the point, like, I have no idea, God, why you're doing this or why you're not allowing this or why you didn't heal them or why you let that open up or why you closed that, and, and we have no answer. Sometimes you get no, and what you've got to understand is, are you going to allow a no to change how you perceive the goodness of God? Now, a lot of times when a, when a pastor preaches a sermon like this, uh, yeah, there's this tendency like, oh, okay, David, you're saying this, God, God pretty much your pastor unfolds everything for you, and, and you really don't get no's. Well, that's actually far from the truth. In preparing this message, I got to the point that that I wasn't sure what to connect with this, and so I asked Katie, and Katie gave me an idea, and I asked her permission if I could share it, and, and so she said, yes, you can share it, and I said, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to write this out, and I'll share it. But sometimes you get a no, and you have no idea why, and you've got to decide, are you gonna let your perspective of the goodness of God get altered? So I'll read this. It'll make sense as I go through it. This is from Katie, she wrote it to me. I remember being so excited, planning out what color the nursery would be and how we would move things around in our tiny house to make room. The weekend it happened, I'd been at my parents. When I started driving home, I knew something was happening in my body. I could literally feel it in my bones and my heart. When I got home, I knew the miscarriage had already started. I remember feeling a sadness at a depth I'd never felt before and have never felt since. It was like a dream that I was watching but, but living it, just waves of sadness. I called the doctor and after hearing that there was nothing they could do and that we would just have to wait it out, I went to bed. We went to church the next morning for a lunch. I shouldn't have gone, but I think I felt like I should just keep up being normal in front of people. No one knew what we were going through and I wanted everything to be okay, but I sat there watching everyone eat and laugh. 
Our friends even announced their pregnancy to all of us that morning. I went straight out to the car and waited for you and Hayden. The night was a Super Bowl party at church, and so I went again, completely numb. Things physically got worse that night, and I called the doctor and scheduled an appointment for Monday. Monday. It was raining. I went to work insanely early and alone. I didn't want to ride with the carpool that day. My principal met me at the entrance. He opened the door for me. He'd never been around that entrance, and I'd never seen him there before. But he said, I've been thinking about you all weekend and asked how I was doing. I was still floating around in a dream, but I broke down in that minute. For months, I mourned. I cried at every single thing that had to do with babies. I avoided friends with newborns or friends that were pregnant. I still grieve when I think about it. But there was a moment, actually, on a missions trip to New Orleans a few months later. We were doing cleanup work after Hurricane, the Hurricane Katrina had hit the area. I, I remember looking at everything that was lost, the broken down houses, the smell of standing water, seeing people's photos and all their possessions scattered all over. And I felt like God telling me this, no matter what the destruction in your life that comes, I'm with you. I will give you hope and peace. Trust me for the future, Katie. Give this to me. I've led you with your first baby. Let me lead you with this. Katie would tell you it was one of the most difficult times she's ever had with God. If you've ever experienced something similar, you completely understand what I'm saying. Because at the same time, you probably know, as we did, folks who were having babies who didn't want them. And we would look to God and be like, God, we, we want to raise a child. Why, won't, why the no? Why, why do we have to walk through this? And you got to know, we didn't hear anything audible or have this epic moment where it's like, here's exactly why. Oh, that's why? Oh, okay. No. Our hearts were broken. But God's goodness didn't change because of our circumstances. Have you let your perspective of the goodness of God shift because things didn't go the way you wanted to? And in fact, I've got to press in a little deep into your heart and say this, if God is only good, if he does what you ask, you need to understand you think you should be God. If God is only merciful when he does what you think is merciful, you think you have more mercy than God. If God is only loving if he does what you think should be done, you think you love people more than God does. I know you're like, whoa. 
But you and I have got to be careful when we talk to God that we don't allow the no's and the delays and the stuff that we don't like and the news that we don't like. Do not let it distract you or confuse you or deceive you and make you think that God isn't good because God is so good. He's proven it. Go read the beginning of your Bible, the first chapter. God sets up paradise. Absolute awesome paradise. But it's a man and a woman in a garden, and they're both incredibly good looking. And he says, just have a blast. That sounds awesome. And then they wreck it. <laughs> they get deceived, and things don't go the way that they should go. And, and, and God doesn't say, you know what? I don't know what you're going to do. You guys started the problem. You got an issue. I don't know what's going to happen. No, what, what he does is, he's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to help fix this. I'm going to reestablish a connection between you and me. I'm going to give you access again. And so God came in human form, Jesus, and let himself get beat up and killed to re-engage access. You want to know if God's good? He's so good. Don't hinge the goodness of God on your circumstances. Because that's what the devil's trying to get you to do. And oftentimes when God doesn't do what we ask him to do, we step back from the relationship. Prayer for so many people is not a relationship anymore. It's simply a transaction. Have your conversations with God simply been transactions? God, I need. Better come through. Let it stay inside of a relationship, and oftentimes in a relationship with anybody, that person will do things that, that you didn't ask them to do, but when we're talking about God, who knows everything, is everywhere, is all-powerful, if he says no, you've got to submit to the idea that, okay, maybe he knows something I don't know. This is hard. Matthew 6.33 says this, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give everything you need. The thing is, is most of us turn that upside down and live that way. We say, God, when you give me everything I need, then I'm going to start seeking you and engaging you in a relationship, but I want what I need first. But it didn't say that. Seek the kingdom first. Don't get confused. God's no does not mean God's goodness is gone. Now flip it. Here's the last one. God's yes doesn't change God's goodness. His no doesn't change his goodness, but his yes doesn't either. God's yes, when, when God does heal and you say, God, please, please heal and he heals, that didn't make him better. When all of a sudden you get what you want, the job that you needed, or your, or your child is born, or, or this, whatever happens, and you're like, oh, God is so good. He's as good as he was back then. See, see, God's yes doesn't change God's goodness. Don't let the no's and the yeses change the goodness, because they don't change the goodness. And when you go to prayer, God says, no, don't let the circumstances shift everything. So let me tell you a story about a yes, but the battle of the yes. You, you know this now, about a year and a half ago, God began to press in on us as a church, Fountain Springs, I don't want you just to be one church in one location, I want you to start multiple locations. And so we, we have Fountain Springs here at the West Campus, but we also have Fountain Springs at the RCMU, the Rapid City Minimum Unit Campus, and we've all been championing that, saying that's awesome, but then God said, okay, keep going, keep going. 
So now that we have a west campus here, he said, okay, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to launch an east campus on the other side of town. So we began praying and praying, and, and I began looking at, we were looking at different properties, and I would show God, like, God, you, you see this listing, this, yeah, just hook that up. That's, that's a great building for us, and, and it wouldn't happen. Like, do I need to email you? The, how, like, look at the listings, it's open, and get us that building, and I would be so frustrated. Like, God, you told us to be one church of multiple locations, you need to get us a location. And it wouldn't happen, and it was praying, 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 and then God, Drew us over to this location next to Kmart. There's a strip mall connected to Kmart. And it was one of those moments like, I think God's brought us to this building. This is going to be it. There's 28,000 square feet. We can launch another campus there. And so we contacted the owner, and the owner was like, you know what? I think this is a good idea. Yeah, yeah, you can lease this space long term. This is amazing. But then he called us back. He said, well, there's some existing tenants around you that have in their contracts corporately that churches can't be near them in the building. I'm like, that's a dumb idea. <laughs> Lawyers don't really care though. They're like, I don't care what you think. Like, did, honestly, did you know that? That there's, what are you gonna do? That, I'm, okay, you wanna know how a pastor prayers what are you going to do? I, I don't know. And so we begin to pray and pray and pray. And, and we're like, we need to launch this campus in January. And, and the deadline's coming. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Nothing. And in fact, things began to drag out extensively over and over and over. And it became a part that we even processed. Maybe, maybe we misheard God. But no, then God pointed out, David, you haven't really brought anybody over to this place and said, and, and prayed over it. He's like, you're right. We should do that. Okay. So, staff meeting came, and I said, hey, staff, let's all meet over next to Kmart, and we're going to pray. So the staff all gathered there. All went over near the building, laid hands on the building. You gotta see how weird that looks. I mean, that's crazy looking. <laughs> I mean, you got, you got a businesses next there, left and right. You got cars driving. There were some people working on a truck in the parking lot. And, and we've got people just going up to a building, putting their hands on it. <laughs> They're for sure going, what cult just showed up? It's <laughs> doing a bunch of crazy. Step, I gotta tell you, clouds did not part. We prayed. We, we did not pray for a long time. We were not there for hours. There was no wailing and screaming. It was, it was just, we, we went and we prayed and some staff walked around the building and prayed and did circles around it. Some, some put their hands on the glass and just prayed and some just stood out in the parking lot and prayed. And, and a week later, we got a verbal agreement to get that building and that company dropped their claws. Yeah. So I got to tell you now, because God answered prayer and said yes, we have an east location. It's, it's 28,000 square feet inside of that uh, strip mall there. It used to be a theater there. It's connected to Kmart. In January of 2016, we will launch another Fountain Springs that wherever you live, I don't know if you want to be a part of it. You ought to be a part of it. It's going to be awesome. But listen, none of that changed the goodness of God. He was good, yeah, 
God is good before a yes and after the no. I know this is an intense sermon and you're like, whoa. But it's not preached on like it should be. And many of you have been struggling with the no's that God has offered you. So now I cannot tell you that God will never say no to you. (laughs) I guarantee you he will. Sometimes the no is based on what you've been doing and your doubts and your motives and all that kind of junk. But I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to say that every no is your fault. It's not. Every no is not your fault. You'll never be good enough to earn a yes from God. However, our behavior affects the listening. But for those of you who are in the midst of a no or wrestling with a no, there's what God has done or not done has wrecked your heart. Listen, go in with right expectations. God is not like you. His no does not change his goodness. His yes does not change his goodness. Do not allow the devil to eke into your life and keep you from praying specifically. If you know someone who needs healing, pray for them. Pray for healing. If you need a job or someone that needs a job, make sure you pray for them. If you have a student or, or anyone who's going back to school in the fall, pray for them. If you know a relationship that needs restoration, pray for it. Go to God. Give him your burdens. And if he does not answer the way you think he should, you must lock on to the fact that he knows things you don't know and he's good. 